0: This is Dan McCarthy and you're listening to Check In by TMR. I want to start this episode off by passing along a message from Angela Hughes, who was a guest on another TMR series called Master Advisor. Angela is this terrific luxury travel advisor who deals with a lot of high net worth clients, a lot of tech CEOs, some doctors, a lot of entrepreneurs. And she spoke with me about something she does with her clients, with all those people that allows her to build that relationship and allows her to help fulfill all these travel goals. And that's creating a five-year plan for their travel. It's something she does, but it's also something I think we should all start doing right now. From where I'm sitting, it's very much time to start making plans. So your own goals, your own dreams, your own desire to go to these destinations however far flung, become a reality. I think that's just how important travel is to so many people. We've spoken about that with so many people on this podcast, but I think we really need to realize it. We talk about five year plans in your career. People talk about planning ahead for your retirement, but to really build out the life you want to live you're going to need to start planning for your travel too. And Don't get me wrong, you may be able to book a trip to Florida or Vegas or New York or Toronto on a Thursday, fly out on a Friday night and have a great vacation with memories that it really last a lifetime. But the big trips, the ones where you need a typhoid shot because you're going on an African safari, or the ones where you need five or six weeks off from work because that's how long that sailing lasts, those kind of trips need more planning. So my advice is start planning now. Tell your clients to start planning now. I've been planning. I can tell you right now, I'm 100% going to be in Europe in 2022. And In the next five years, I'm planning on having photos on my iPhone's camera roll of Tokyo, a city that's long been at the top of my bucket list, and of the Grand Canyon, which is a landmark I've probably been about an hour or so drive from on more than one, two, or three occasions, but one that I've never actually made the plans to see. I think that's the point. It's time to make plans. Especially after the last year and a half we've had, it's fairly obvious that it's time to make plans. It doesn't matter if they're small, they're big, Medium sized, make the plans, tell your family and friends about those plans, and have them hold you to it. Because there are a ton of uncertainties in life, a ton of things that we're going to have to deal with that don't have anything to do with pandemics or face masks, or booster shots. A lot of things we won't be able to plan, but we can plan our travel. We can mark the dates on the calendar and simply go from there. That's what I'm doing. I can always rebook it with my travel advisor in the future. My guest for this episode is Matthew Eichorst, the president of Expedia Cruise Ship Centers. Matthew and I had a very short conversation, but one that I truly enjoyed. He has a back way into the travel industry, which is something he shares with so many guests I've been fortunate enough to speak with on this series. He started out in technology and made the move over to travel. A move that he talks about in the episode he made after feeling the passion for the business that so many in the industry share. The passion that's so evident with so many people I speak with and so many people I'm sure you all speak with as well. 2022 will mark two decades in the business for Matthew and I really want to give him a sincere congratulations ahead of time. Two decades in any business is really something to be proud of and surviving COVID and all the other times of uncertainty that have come with being in the travel industry is really, truly something to be proud of. I want to say the same to all the listeners out there. I know things haven't been easy for anyone in the industry over the past 18 months, but from where I'm sitting, there's little doubt there are much better times ahead of us than behind us. Let's check in with Matthew. Hey, Daniel. Hi, Matthew. How are you? I'm good good yeah thank you for taking the time to talk to me i know i know how busy you are and i know you're you're three hours behind me right you're in bc uh yeah i'm in bc yeah and is that is that where you grew up you grew up uh the west coast of canada kind of i did i grew up right in uh right in just the
1: outskirts of vancouver my whole life and uh it's uh uh, that's where i made my career and my, my wife's from toronto she's always wanted us to move uh I'd say that settled down now, but, uh, you know, 20 plus years later, but <laughs> she definitely comes for She grew up in Mississauga. Yeah.
0: So I mean, are you there's all these stereotypes about Canadians, but are you a big hockey fan? Are you a hockey person? Uh, I'm not a. am not
1: a big fan. I mean, I'm one of those, uh, those fans that when the playoffs are on, it's like that's your favorite (laughs) team. And when the playoffs are off, it's you don't even know who's playing. So Yeah, yeah,
0: fair enough. I've been doing these for a while now. We've been sort of getting people's stories about how they entered the travel industry and sort of grew their careers and things like that. And I know you had you have an interesting story yourself, because I know you didn't start out in travel. Okay, tech. Yeah. Well, entrepreneur side and then tech and then uh, got into travel. Yeah, definitely. So I, I so I, I read a little bit. I read some interviews you've done before and you talked about uh, I think you joined cruise ship centers was it 2002 is that my Two thousand two, And I know it started because you sold some technology, you sold the CRM to, to cruise ship centers. Yeah. Well, actually what happened was I, I had a company with uh, general electric and uh, cruise ship
1: centers was one of our customers oh, and we were building out a bunch of technology for them. So some of my team was, for example, and I got to know the CEO and the CEO asked me to come in and help after I had uh, left general electric, I was doing two tu- doing turnarounds at the time. And that's uh, so when I looked at the business, I was like, wow, this is a very non-automated uh, industry. <laughs> There's some opportunity here. And, and then, yeah, then bought into the company etc it was it's been quite the journey so
0: what so when you get that like proposal or when you get asked that question to join uh, cruise ship centers which is such a like a kind of specific business within the larger travel industry i'm curious what was your perception of of that side of the business uh in 2002 sort of as the growth of the internet has sort of Shaded some of the travel agency business and things like that. What did what did you what were your expectations going into it?
1: Yeah, I was actually trying to. I was. It started out being more of helping out a friend and then jumping into the business and and looking from a technology perspective. And then what I could tell was here was a group of people that loved and were passionate about what they were doing. Like they really loved the industry. Whereas I've met lots of people over the years that that love their job because of what they're doing, but not necessarily loved what they're part of. Right, and so. I always joke it's not you know they're not selling vacuum cleaners here they're they're selling dream vacations for people and and so that passion was quite contagious and so as I started to look at the business I thought I'd like to be part of this business how can I contribute in a different manner than just giving some technology consulting and um, uh, that's when I approached the shareholders of the company and and just said you know is this is being an entrepreneur, I I would love to be involved. I would never give away part of my company. But uh, if you're willing to sell part of your company, I I think this would be uh, something that would be really good for both you and myself. So and uh, that turned out to be very much true. And uh, we grew the company just, you know, exponentially over the years. So it's been, it's been wonderful. And I do miss the business, actually. Interestingly enough, this lockdown that we've all had and not traveling, I just did my first uh, supply, supplier trip and meeting, not only suppliers but uh even some of our competitors you forget kind of the joy from the relationships that comes out of this business not just the travel itself and and it really is quite energizing to uh to see that come out of it so it's awesome
0: yeah, it's interesting. I was listening to the Delta to the CEO of Delta, Ed Bastian. He was on a U.S. travel uh, uh, conference yesterday, and he was speaking about business travel and how the, the this perception that Zoom and these other video conferencing tools were going to crush it. He thinks it's the opposite. He thinks it's going to sort of push it forward and, and give you more opportunities to travel because you're able to work on the road. Now you're, you're not worried about missing work because you can simply do it when you're at a conference and when you're networking with people. Yeah. I, th- I think the pendulum, uh, like
1: anything, when you have big transformational shift in the way we work, the pendulum swings out and then swings back. I don't think we go to, you know, let's jump on a plane at the first chance we can, but I, but I do think uh, we've realized that there's part of the relationship that you just cannot build over a zoom call. And so the need for people to get together and uh, and spend time together, not just talking about the business, but, um, you know, socially and things like that, just to, uh, to, to really focus on those relationships. Because I think this business, more than any other business, I would say, is between the travel agent and their customer, but also the whole industry, it's all built on relationships, so...
0: Yeah, i mean when you were when you were coming in the industry in early 2000s was that something that was a part of the learning curve understanding that i mean it definitely was for me i know like understanding that the personal relationships in this business are just incredibly important and and being able to talk to people and build those relationships is just so paramount to to your own success of your business too
1: yeah part of it was uh, probably my maturity at the time coming into the business and not realizing the importance of the relationships but uh in my past businesses, the relationships were business relationships in nature, and it was all about you know contracts and bringing stuff together, and they were friendly. But um, I think this industry, what has taught me is that the power of the relationship, especially times like now, boy, if you didn't have good relationships, how do you lean on each other to get through the last 20 months that we've had? And so, yeah, underestimated it coming into the business and then really saw the value uh, as it's been tested several times in the last almost 20 years that I've been in the business so for sure I mean,
0: was there any other time that was similar to covid or, or these past 18 months or so any other time over your two decades that reminded you of the decisions you had to make and the uncertainties were sort of surrounded your future not at this
1: at this magnitude that's for sure but I think we had several slowdowns in the uh, you know the 2000s range where whether it was companies recovering after 911 but also which was I, I kind of missed a bit of that because uh, I came in right after, but, um, you know, we had a major economic upset in 2018, and that was major pressure on discretionary income spending, whether it was travel or uh, home renos or whatever people were spending on. And so many industries really got, uh, had a tough time at that time. And so our relationships with their suppliers really, we started to have to get creative. And so that was a, that was a big deal. Um, So that was an external factor, but there's, there's been several of those uh, situations where other illness related things like, you know, SARS in the early days as well, but nothing like this. I mean, this one was something, even when it was bad, we thought we'd be, you know, 90 days into this. I remember the first suspension of the cruise lines where, you know, we're going to take a 30 day pause. (laughs) Wow what well, you know looking back did we imagine if we knew what we knew then right or knew now what we knew then so it was crazy
0: yeah here in the U.S. we had we had the slogan at the beginning that it was two weeks to stop the spread or two weeks to flatten the curve yeah. and it's just, yeah I mean looking I've, I've had I've had that conversation with a number of people like looking back it, it just how arrogant we all were how in the dark we all were to how long this thing would really last
1: yeah you can never future protect your business but you know, lessons learned. There's, there's many, but one for sure is be prepared for the unexpected. I think none of us would have, uh, you know, done some disaster recovery on their business like this, but you know, did some companies were set up in a way that, um, help them weather the storm more than others and and others, uh, you know, we're really vulnerable. And so look at our industry itself, you know, the, the difference between an independent contractor model versus an employee model and, and the impact that has on, you know, some of our uh, good competitors that are out there. It's been devastating. If, if uh, their cost based uh, couldn't absorb this um, it's been really tricky.
0: I'm sure you've heard this over the past 18 months from from uh, from your agencies or your members. I mean what what have the best ones been able to do to sort of survive this and then thrive coming out of this? Um, what, how have they been able to set their businesses up so that they wouldn't they wouldn't crash during during this during this slowdown or lockdown?
1: Yeah, I think I think there was a bunch of things. I think the traditional levers to, you know, you know, look at sort of corporate structure and bonuses and all of those kinds of things, everybody pulled those relatively early. Uh, But I I think what's been different is is kind of really working with the government agencies. And, you know, how can ASTA and CLIA and all of these organizations that are out there really kind of help with the awareness of the challenges that the travel industry were facing, and the need for the trade. If you've just recently watched a Richard Fain's video, you you know he's he's overtly calling for the trade to to step up and get back involved. And and um, yeah, the direct business might be up a little bit, but that's because of the consumer is going. I need answers for my vacation that's been rescheduled, or the next one I want to build, and and the agents. Uh, where they think maybe the opportunity is slowed down, uh, the agents that are doing the best is knowing that these customers really want to travel and they need that support. And so I think there's never been a better time for the agents to kind of step in. And we're seeing that at Expedia right now for sure as the agent adds an extra layer over the online booking that's really helping in this complex market
0: Yeah, I I spoke to you last December about about 21. And and you were really optimistic. I remember heading into the new year. And I mean, you sound just as optimistic now heading. I mean, we're almost at the end of 21. Now, it seems like, Uh, is is that how you're feeling 20? I'm
1: I'm probably even more optimistic about the future. uh, But certainly we've all been uh, sort of reminded to be careful of predicting that timing. If you look at the uh, last time we chatted, um, we all thought this would be behind us, you know, whether it was three months, six months later, et cetera. And, and no one accounted for different strains and, and the, the need for government agencies to get involved and really protect us. And so that's changed kind of everything. But when I look at right now, uh, our, our 2000 and uh, our, our sales right now from uh, going into 2022 are, are very good, especially our US market. The US psychologically is a little bit. Uh, ahead of Canada, as far as their willingness to travel, and we're seeing uh, the bookings come back, the revenue isn't coming back, but the bookings are really coming back, and uh, we're we're actually seeing the offline side of the business accelerate way quicker than the online side, and that's a, that's a couple of reasons. The online side typically focuses on first-time cruisers. The first-time cruisers are going to take a little bit longer to come back. And they also, uh, online typically is a shorter in and a more contemporary product. And so uh, the offline is really those planners. And those, we talked about this, I think, last time we were on the call, the, the consumer that goes, I want to go on a trip next year or the year after, or this new world cruise that just got announced by Royal Caribbean. When you when you start to become a planner, you you want to work with someone to build that perfect vacation, and we're seeing that rebound very very quickly. And uh, there's been some compression in the industry. I think uh, our opportunity has never been greater with uh, with our omni channel opportunity that we talked about last time.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. It's it's also interesting because we I uh, I speak with a lot of Canadian advisors too, and they they always mention that the differences between the whether it's the temperament or the psychology of American travelers versus Canadian travelers. And you mentioned the U S coming back a bit, a bit quicker. Um, I mean, can you narrow down what, where, what, where, where, that comes from? Is it, is it, yeah. a, is it? Yeah,
1: Daniel, you're absolutely right. And, and so I, I think it's easy to say Americans and, and Canadians are different, but I don't think that's it. I mean, I think, I think we have huge markets that we call the drive up market. And so you can, you know, when you, when you live in Florida, or you live in Texas or you live in LA and you can just go to the ship that changes the, demo, the, um, the ability to travel uh, with minimum friction. You don't have an airline, you don't have all sorts of things. But the second thing I think is, as far as uh, Canada's approach, uh, you know, we're, we're changing, uh, we're moving from one country to another. And so that adds another complexity. And we know that cruising is, is currently a, a level four as far as traveling. Uh, that impacts things like insurance, uh, testing to go in and out of the US uh impacts uh, or as a friction for the customer and so customers are kind of waiting to see if traveler gets traveling gets a little bit easier and so that uh is certainly starting to unlock and that's why we've seen the Canadian business uh really start to recover but we're talking about six six weeks to two months behind as far as that trajectory um it's not like it's a completely different market Uh, I just finished a trip and, um, you know, the need to do a PCR test to come back into Canada and an antigen to get into the United States, it makes you think about these, this traveling. And so you want to, you want to start to see that get uh, a little bit easier. Uh, And the suppliers have really stepped up. Actually, I think, I think uh, that's getting easier every day with Air Canada, actually giving uh, the ability to provide the tests. Um, you've got the cruise lines for anybody that's traveling back to Canada. Uh, most of them will do the test right on board that reduces friction, uh, if not for free for a very small cost. And I think the consumer uh, only hears the story that it's, you know, two to $300 to have that test in a family of four. That's very expensive.
0: Yeah. I I had that same experience. I, I, I traveled internationally for the first time um, earlier this month and yeah, it was, I was at a resort in Mexico. and. I, I stopped by the business center, got a got a PCR test. They slipped the results under my door later that night, and I, I, I felt comfortable traveling. Like what what you read about the requirements always seems way more daunting, at least to me, than the actual protocols and requirements when you're physically traveling.
1: Yeah, and I think that's what the good agencies and the good agents uh, really need to do. And those, those agents that are, whether they work for my organization or if they work for other organizations, the great agents are, are focusing on education because uh, i'm sure your mexico trip was was a fantastic trip in the end with a few more friction points that you just didn't have in 2019 but you know would you not go having known it was as easy as it was of course not right now we're all dying to go holy moly
0: (laughs) um so i know we i know we have a short amount of time today so i only have a few more questions and uh one of them is what i've i've accessed to a number of people who sort of Came into the cruise industry like yourself from other industries, and, and didn't necessarily have a crazy background in cruising. Um, do you remember the first time you were on a cruise ship, or your first time taking a sailing?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I, I definitely remember. I, I mean, I grew up as a camper, really. I didn't do any kind of big okay. vacations like so many other people that went to Hawaii every Christmas, etc. And it really was my first flight wasn't until I was in 2022, actually, and I was working for IBM at the time. And, uh, and I, I'm trying to think as far as my first kind of leisure vacation, uh, it was an organization I was in uh, called YEO, Young Entrepreneurs Organization. And they actually had a little conference that was on a ship. And uh, I was really going to be with my peer group at the time because I had the technology time, company at the time. And off we went to Florida, I believe it was, on a, a five-day cruise. And, uh, and it, was, it was really great. I think it was probably Royal Caribbean, maybe Vision of the Seas or, or one of the old ships. And it was just a, it was a fantastic experience. I wouldn't say that's what hooked me into the cruise business, um, but it was on that trip that I met the CEO of cruise ship centers at the time, uh, way before they were a customer. And that was the first dialogue we had about uh some of the things he was trying to do and that spun into him being a customer probably in 95 time frame so it wasn't until seven years later that i actually got into the business
0: oh that that is a that's an interesting story yeah i mean what uh was there anything that stuck out to you during that first trip was there any was there any uh anything that really piqued your interest about that that kind of that kind of travel or vacation experience that made that that made you want to get into the business eventually I, I think
1: what what in the early days what made me love the business didn't think about getting into the business but but why I actually went wow this cruising is is something special it, it was the destination in itself I mean I've always thought yeah it's great that we go to ports and stuff especially in Europe but you know that on board experience when you're with a, a group of people, uh, maybe not traveling solo and uh, you get to sort of hang out in a way where everything's taken care of, whether it's your, all of your your food and your activities and and things along the It just became this fantastic venue that uh, was so differentiated than say an all inclusive product, even though I love those two. Um, it really kind of stood out for me. Uh, and it wasn't till later that I started to appreciate the destination side that, the ship can actually go to different places. And I think that's where I really got the bug is um, I, I had really no interest to ever go to Europe and, and not, not because of anything other than ignorance for not knowing what Europe was all about. And then uh, when that first trip I took on a ship and um, going from port to port and seeing the history and then getting back onto that home base, uh, I knew that this product was something really, really special
0: yeah everyone seems to have that first uh that first experience on board and and everyone feels differently but it, I've, I've heard so many stories about the stickiness of, of the cruise industry and uh clea has always spoken about that about once you get once you get someone into the into the on a cruise ship once you get a consumer into the system they tend to become repeat repeat guests over and over again oh absolutely
1: you know and 18 years later you, you kind of are or more than that actually almost 20 years now yeah. you uh you know, if you've been in the business as, as long as I have, and there's many people in the business, 40 years, that's because they you never leave this business. But the change that has happened, I mean, we see our customers want more uh, approach to sustainability, environmental, and all of the different things. And the ships have just uh, been amazing as far as the whole industry, how it's evolved. And uh, the, the travel agent's never been a bigger part of this whole business than, than we have in the past. It's just, I, I think if anything, it, is, this has been an amazing blessing for the trade going forward <laughs> once we're out of this for yeah. sure.
0: Yeah. The survivors yeah. seem to be able be ready to sort of get, get all these benefits that are coming down the line. I know uh a lot of advisors have spoken about that too, about the pent up demand finally coming, finally being able You're when you're finally able to book a cruise, they seem to be the ones that are going to benefit and they should be able to benefit. Um Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And we're seeing it show up. I mean, we, we talked last time, I think a year ago, uh, Daniel, about, you know, the online consumer and the offline consumer. And as you know, we actually shut down our call center for Expedia.com for cruising. And now all of that redirects into the stores now. Uh, and it's thousands of calls a month that that just go right to the store in that local community. And the store gets to service that customer. And uh, it's it's really helped. um. Not only for our stores to recover, but also that consumer's confidence in in Expedia because they get that service when they need it. uh, And they still have that flexibility to book online when they want to do that. So that's that's something we talked about before. And it's it's really starting to um, prove to be a great strategy as we recover from this business.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I spoke to an agent last week who spoke about sort of serving as their client's travel advisor like a financial advisor would and building these five year plans and building these sort of vacation goals and doing whatever and planning ahead so they can accomplish whatever they want to accomplish on their bucket list going forward. And I think that's a good way to look at travel advisors, like everyone talks about travel agents as sort of a, a smaller business and things like that. But they, they're they very important important for a lot of people and the people who haven't discovered that yet, I think just have to have the time to, to actually use a travel agent and and, figure, and realize how big of a benefits they can have.
1: Absolutely. And many of us have our dream book, whether it's just in our head, yeah. or whether it's written down, you know, I have a list of places I want to go, you probably have a list as well. And, uh, you know, how do you kind of turn those into reality and working with a travel agent really, really, really helps. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's something I don't see changing over the next uh, coming years, that's for sure.
0: well so what's on do you do you want to talk about anything on top of that list are there any destinations that you that you really are anxious to get to especially now uh well not now but hopefully in the short-term future when all these rules are are sort of short-term i just want
1: to get back out there right And, and so i've got a couple of uh Couple of trips that are that are coming up. I've got a med trip coming up in the uh, in the early spring. I've got uh, a trip I'd like to do with my kids on the on the reading break that uh, probably will be a uh, a Mexico trip, just to kind of get away and get to some beach. But uh, when I think about bucket list trips, there's still so many places I would like to go. Um, I would, I, you know, I still want to go over to Egypt, and now that cruises are going down the Nile again, it's just, I mean, that just sounds absolutely fantastic. I have a friend that's over there right now, and uh, just got a text, they just came out of Jordan, and so and so you start to think about these beautiful places in the world, and I think that's why people fell in love with, with this business. Is the 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 world's quite small if you're willing to reach out and go to these places. Um, now it might take a bit to get to the more exotic destinations, but uh, but travel is just is something that's so contagious as far as how do we get to these places. And there's places I'd love to go back to, like the Galapagos or. Um, or Antarctica, I've never been to. How do I get to those, those places as well? So it's just, yeah, the, my bucket list is long and that's probably because I'm in the industry, right? The yeah. awareness is just, is amazing. The more we talk to people about travel, the more people want to travel. And I think, I think uh, there's just an infinite possibilities. Uh, Iceland, for example. I mean, there's just, we could just go on and on about all the great places that most of us have never been to, so.
0: That would be just amazing. Yeah. I mean, I'm right there with you. I get all these press releases and these marketing materials about new products and destinations. And my first thought is always, Oh, I would love to I'd love to be on that ship or I'd love to be in that destination. So I'm uh, I'm right there with you. Um the list is only growing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It hasn't shrunk. So. <laughs> um, so well like- I know we only had a half an hour, but I again, Matthew, I wanna <laughs> say thank you for taking the time to talk to me. Yeah, and then best of luck, I guess, the rest of this year and uh for twenty two too. And hopefully I'll talk to you again pretty soon. Sounds good. All right. Thank you. you.